about the spicy one again. <laughs> <laughs> this is Norma McAdam. She's 27 years old, eating hot chips and laughing with her friend. In 2007, Noor was a schoolgirl here at Our Lady's Grove School in Goatstown in Dublin. We went to Capnalee for a sixth class trip. Rukaya Bahidma was in school with Noor. And uh, we were in the same room and then something happened. It was like a bullying situation that happened in the room. Noor was there when this bullying incident happened. None of the girls involved apologised. But Noor did. And she sent me a big, long apology, and she was like, I am really sorry. She's like, I should have stood up for you. I shouldn't have gotten involved. And she made that apology years later. A solid 10 years, approximately. Because Noor is a very, or was a very, very, very lovely person. This year, in Noor's old school, Our Lady's Grove in Dublin, the principal, Colm Dooley, has a plan to remember their former student. We discussed a way that Noor could be remembered and honoured in a permanent installation within the school. In the bank of student lockers in the corridor, there will be one that stands apart. It will be called Noor's Locker. The idea of having a locker, permanent installation, called Noor's Locker, there would be a range of utilities kind of available within that locker. It could be as simple as pens and pencils, a calculator, it could be a ruler, anything really that any of our students might need on a daily basis might forget. And it would just be something that was open. You can walk by, you can take something, you can put something back if you want to. And it would just make Noor a part of the everyday life of the school. Noor's life would take her far from South County Dublin and she would end up over 5,000 miles away in her native Pakistan. The reason there will be a commemorative locker in her old school is that last summer her old school friends heard the shocking news that Noor had been murdered. The 27-year-old daughter of a former Pakistani diplomat was tortured, shot and beheaded by a male acquaintance in Islamabad, sending shockwaves. In a case that rocked Pakistani society. This murder has shaken the roots of elite Pakistani society. It would send shockwaves around the world, including to Dublin. And turn the spotlight on violence against women. This is not the question of my daughter now. This is the question of all daughters of Pakistan. Every single second she's missed. From RTE Documentary N1, this is Justice for Noor. Noor McAdam was born on the 23rd of October 1993. Noor means light. I remember the day she was born. We were so happy that a little sister, like a baby sister, was coming, and we were so delighted over that. Noor, she was just this perfect child. That's Sarah McAdam, Noor's big sister. Noor, together with her parents, her older brother Mohammed, and her sister Sarah, came to live in Ireland in 2001 when Noor was seven years old. When we were younger in Ireland, she used to play football with me, and she'd play video games with me. So, like, she had kind of a boyish personality as well when she was young. I was very close to her, you know, she was like my best friend. Noor was here for seven years, living in South County Dublin near Goatstown. She used to play hockey in Ireland. Noor's father, Shakat McAdam. She used to love sports also, mountain trekking, swimming and all. And the friends she made here have endured. She was so gentle, she was so loved. This is Nihad Medbu, who was in Noor's class in school in Our Lady's Grove. She was a true friend and a true sister and I think... Everyone, everyone loved her in our class anyway. She was always laughing. I remember her like with her long, beautiful hair. She'd always be kind of like flicking it back. It was just her thing. Nora not only loved her friends, but she also really liked Ireland. 
This is her best friend, Isla Hussain. She loved Ireland. She loved the weather. She loved the greenery. She'd always talk about the place. She really liked it because she liked snuggly clothes and like big fluffy sweaters and big socks and boots. So like she liked the cold, definitely. She didn't like the warmth. Noor and her family were in Ireland because her father, Shakad McAdam, was a Pakistani diplomat. In fact, before the McAdams came to Ireland, there was no Pakistani embassy here. But Noor's dad established one here in Dublin's exclusive Aylesbury Road. It wasn't made a big deal out of it at school at all. And I don't think she really liked to point it out. So I remember at one stage she was getting picked up, but it wasn't her dad that was picking her up or her mom. And it was a big fancy car and she didn't want to leave the school. She wanted to wait a few minutes. And then that's that's actually when, when I found out that her dad was very, very high up. But she never she never made a deal out of her. Like she was just regular. Having known Dublin as home for more than seven years, the then 14-year-old Noor and her family left Ireland when her father Shakit got a new posting. And we were told that she was moving. It was massive shock. The family moved back to Pakistan and settled in the capital, Islamabad. But Noor really missed Ireland, as her dad remembers. She missed Ireland a great deal. A friend in Ireland, she used to miss them very much. Noor started school there and met her best friend, Isla Hussain. The way she dressed, the way she did her makeup, it was very obvious that she was an Irish girl. Noor had happened to find a Pakistani best friend with Irish blood. Isla's grandmother is Irish. We'd always bond over stuff like baked beans and Jaffa cakes, like really basic things, because I guess like not many people got those little details. Noor lived in Islamabad with her mom and dad. We are in new room. Who have left her bedroom unchanged since Noor was murdered. This is Irish. Little leprechaun soft toys are on the bed. Noor's teddy bear. This from Ireland, both from Ireland. And Noor's art is everywhere. So many things she, she did. She's an artist. Very creative and artistic. Mind, artistic just, mind. She painted this. She made a portrait of me, you know. <laughs> different girl, you know. She's very different. Her parents' house is in a comfortable middle-class neighbourhood in the outskirts of Islamabad. Noor was from an elite, privileged part of Pakistani society. There are four or five main private schools in Islamabad that like all the upper class children go to essentially. You'll find politicians' kids, bureaucrats' kids, business families. And our city is generally known for being westernized. So it was a very westernized culture in the circle that we sort of grew up in. Though Noor and her friends mixed in the generally more westernized upper echelons of Islamabad society, there's still a fine line to be walked as a young woman in conservative Pakistani society. Pakistan is uh, largely misogynistic as well. Journalist Hamza Azar Salam is the founder of the Pakistan Daily newspaper. Men themselves, they drink, they have relationships, they exercise freedom in, in every way uh, possible. But when it comes to women, most of these men also, uh, they would say that, you know, she's a bad charactered girl if she drinks or if she has a boyfriend or if she has, let's say, sexual relationships before marriage. You know, people equate honour, a family's honour, with how uh, the women of that family behave. So, like I said, men can do the most obnoxious thing in the world and the family's honour would still maybe be intact. 
But uh, if a woman strays even a little bit, you know, uh, people invoke calls of honour. Noor's best friend, Ayla, has experience of the behaviour of Pakistani men and of how some of them react when women assert themselves. Stuff like after getting rejected, they would get aggressive or violent. And then people would make excuses that, oh, his ego just got hurt, ignore him. We're like, we would just be told to ignore constantly, unconsensual touching, stuff like that. I have personally been threatened that I would be kidnapped and raped if I don't say yes. And we were like on a main road when this happened in a car and I just started screaming and I created a ruckus. So I basically got saved that time. But there are other situations where I've been punched in the face by a guy because I said no. I've had another situation where I said no to a guy that I didn't want to go out with him. I got a call from his mother that, oh, he'll jump off the roof if you don't say yes. So like strange like blackmail manipulation where like the parents of the boys are always involved. It's very common to hear about these things. They'll try to hack your accounts, try to get like a personal photograph or like personal messages and then leak it. They'll threaten that we'll like destroy your reputation. These people went to school with me. These are people who are pilots right now. They're people who are the children of politicians, so they will be politicians in the future. A lot of them are lawyers, ironically. While Noor remained in Pakistan since leaving Ireland, her friend Isla moved to Atlanta in the US, but regularly came back to Pakistan to her family and to visit Noor. The last time Isla met Noor in Pakistan was in December 2020, about six months before Noor was murdered. We had so much fun. We went for dinner all the time. We had barbecues on my roof. We had a lot of like girly time, basically. We'd snuggle around the fire. It was a lot of fun. During this trip, Isla and Noor went to the house of someone they knew from growing up in the small social circle of Islamabad. His name was Zahir Jaffer. I've been to Zahir's house once, which is like the last time I saw Noor. Zahir's house was known for being a sociable place. Everyone would always be at his house. Noor would go. He was a popular guy who was uh, well known in the elite circles of Islamabad. Journalist Hamza Azar Salam. Uh, he used to host uh, really nice parties with uh, good booze and, you know, good people flocking in. Zahir Jaffer is the son of one of the most wealthy and influential families in Pakistan. They've been into uh, various businesses, aviation, railways, energy, uh, and they've also mentioned that they, they were involved in strategic projects uh, with the Pakistani armed forces. Zahir's family are among the super-rich in Pakistan. Islamabad addresses are divided into sectors. This is sector F7, one of the most expensive areas in Islamabad. It's well kept, a much quieter, greener neighborhood than most parts of Islamabad. Lots of trees and flowers. And virtually all of the houses have big, solid gates. Zahir Jafar had uh, homes through his mother's side in Karachi. And he also had a home in F7 in Islamabad, which belonged uh, to his father, uh, where he hosted uh, big parties. And this is the house where Noor would subsequently lose her life. People don't have anything good to say about Zahir Jaffer these days. But before July 2021, Zahir Jaffer had a very different image. Isla knew him from growing up in Islamabad. 
everyone always spoke highly of him that he's a great host, he's quite successful. He was involved in his father's business. He was like the chief uh, brand strategist. And uh, besides that, he was a therapist for Therapy Works. Therapy Works is a counselling and mental health facility owned by Zahar Jaffer's mother, Asmat Adamji. In the brief conversation, the one hangout I had with him, I asked him point blank where he studied and like where he put in his hours for psychotherapy. He just didn't want to address it. And it was in a very condescending manner. Clearly, like a lot went into laundering his image. He just seemed very arrogant and he was very proud of where he lived and what his house was. And he kept mentioning like how expensive the paintings in his home were. The social circle of this upper class of young people in Islamabad is small. Everyone knows each other. Ayla is a singer-songwriter and Noor's passion was art. Though they knew Zahir and his friends, Ayla says their interests were different. I've never liked most of them because they're snobs. <laughs> To be honest, so I just stayed away. I've just hung out with the artists and the musicians. I never hung out with the rich kids. They were very boring. I used to call him one of Noor's charity friends, actually. I was like, why do you have to have these charity friends just because no one wants to be friends with them? He's like, no, everyone deserves a chance. Everyone wanted to be friends with Noor, and it wasn't because she was loud or anything. It was just that her presence was so calming. She'd always want to see the best in people. So people just like naturally gravitated towards her. And Zahar Jaffer was one of the people that gravitated towards her. A few months before Noor was murdered, she attended the wedding of Zahar Jaffer's brother. There's a video of it online. It's a lavish occasion. On the dance floor, friends and family are dancing. Amidst the dancers, Zahar Jaffer takes Norma Adams' hand and spins her around on the dance floor. He was always pursuing her, like always. As for like a relationship, there was never an official relationship. It was more of a getting to know each other sort of situation where she spotted early on that he had traits which weren't compatible with her, especially for a life partner, and he couldn't accept that. In Ireland, Noor's friend from her school days in Goatstown, Rakaya, who's Muslim like Noor, also heard about Zahir from Noor. She was telling me about him, oh, I like this guy, but it's on and off kind of thing. Culturally, for us, um, you can't have a boyfriend. Within a few months of the wedding, by May 2021, Noor had told her friend Isla that she'd distanced herself from Zahir. He always wanted to be in a serious relationship. And he'd always say things like, you're the kind of person who could fix my life. And like, he was very manipulative and she didn't really fall for it because she was very religious and he really was not. And he was quite rude about it as well, which she didn't like at all. The last Ramadan we had, which they, they stopped speaking after that because he was rude about her fasting. And she found that very ignorant. Mid-July 2021. Noor was at home with her parents in Islamabad, preparing for Eid, the Muslim Feast of the Sacrifice, a big celebration in the Muslim calendar where an animal such as a goat or sheep is sacrificed. Noor's brother Mohammed was also at home. 
she was asking me where you're going and I said I'm going to see a friend and that was the last time I saw her. I wish I didn't go to see my friend. That was the 18th of July. Meanwhile, Zahar Jaffer was planning a life change. He had decided he was moving to America where he had citizenship. His flight was booked for the early hours of the 19th of July and the night before, on the 18th, he asked Noor to come and say goodbye to him at his home in the upmarket F7 district of Islamabad. Because he was moving to the US, Zahir Jafar, he must have just said, come and say bye to me. Because in my last conversation with Noor, it was very obvious that she had no ties to him. They hadn't spoken in a very long time, but she did mention that he's leaving and that she might go say bye. Considering we've known Zahir since we were children, I don't think it was like a red flag for anyone. It was, it sounded pretty normal. Noor's father later found out that Zahir lured Noor to his house by telling her that a number of people would be there too. She found that nobody else, no other friends have come and it's all a trap. But at Zahir's house, which is guarded by a big gate and a watchman, there was CCTV surveillance, which captured what happened next. He asked her to accompany to the airport. This is lawyer Babar Samor. So they just hired uh, Uber. They sat in the taxi. She didn't have her shoes on. She was clearly distressed. She tried to make a run for it. He grabbed her, brought her back. Through the CCTV footage, as soon as she entered his house, she started running out within the first minute. She slipped on the ground and she wanted to run away from the house where she was overpowered by Zahir Zakir Jafar. He dragged her inside and kept her hostage over the next two days. Basically, this all has transpired because of her refusal to marry him. But at this time, Noor's parents were unaware of all of this. The following day, the 19th of July, 2021, they were busy preparing for Eid, and Noor's father, Shakat, went to a nearby city to collect a goat for the feast. So on 19th, I went to get the goat for the uh, sacrifice, you know. Noor's mother, Kosser, was also preparing and left the house to pick up her good clothes. And my wife went to get the clothes for the Eid from the tailor. On a rainy evening in Islamabad, Noor's parents arrived home, but they found that Noor was not at home. When we returned home, evening time, we found that Noor is not home, so we started searching, we started calling our friends and all. So we started searching and uh, we went out from the home to different friends' house. It was raining very, very heavily that evening on the 19th. We were trying to call her continuously. Eventually, after calling and calling, her parents received a call from Noor. But it was unusual and didn't make sense to them. She said that I am going to Lahore with some of my friends. Don't worry, I'll come back in one or two days. But the idea that Noor would just suddenly go to Lahore, a city four hours away, didn't sit right with her parents. We were very surprised why you're going to Lahore and all. Different people were telling different things. Noor was telling, I'm in Lahore. Some of friends were saying, maybe she's there, maybe she's there, you know. So uh, we were not sure. And we were just waiting, she's coming back, she's coming back. Then, later on the evening of July 19th, another call out of the blue, this time from Zahir Jaffer. He said that Noor was not with him either. This chap, he telephoned and said that, look, some of our friends, they are coming to our door and asking about Noor and all. So I want to tell you, Noor is not here, Noor is not with me. I don't know where she is and all. Zahir, denying that Noor was in his home. We thought that he's telling the truth. He wasn't telling the truth. 
After two days of being in Zahir's custody, Noor tried to escape again. The CCTV footage is hard for her family and friends to watch. And a warning, the details of what followed are distressing and graphic. She even jumped from the first floor, but the guard and the gardener shut the gate and they wouldn't allow her to leave. There were also people standing on the street outside who didn't report anything to the police. They could hear and see someone jumping. They could hear someone screaming. It's all on camera. We have eight camera angles. Noor's in bare feet in the courtyard as the guard hands her back to Zahir. She looked distressed because I've seen those videos. It was clearly a hostage situation. These are the last moments recorded of Noor before the door closes. Then he dragged her into the house and where allegedly he uh, murdered her around 7.30 p.m. on the 20th of July. From what we know from the forensics is that there were a lot of lacerations and injuries on her body. We know that there was damage to her skull. She basically died of her throat being sliced with a Swiss army knife. And he did rape her multiple times before that. Zahir was in his home with Noor's lifeless body and a one-way plane ticket to America. After Zahir Jaffer killed Noor McAdam, he called his parents. They were in Karachi, which is about a two-hour flight from Islamabad. They did not call the police, but called a team from Therapy Works, the mental health facility owned by Zahir's mother, Asmat Adamji. Zahir had hidden uh, Noor's phone in another cupboard journalist Hamza Azhar Salam. And later on during the investigations, they did forensic analysis of both their cell phones and they traced all the data, all the calls made. Noor's father, Shakat McAdam, later heard what happened when Zahir phoned his parents. His parents told that, don't worry, we'll send the therapy workers. They will take care of you and they will remove her from there. It seems that Zahir's parents called staff at Therapy Works to go over to his house to see what was happening. His ticket for America was booked, so he could have gone away and they could have uh, vanished the body from where. Then we could have never found what had happened. Was Zahir planning on trying to dispose of Noor's body and leave the country? That's what I personally believe was happening. If that was the case, his plan was foiled because a neighbour called the police. He was caught with the weapon in his hand next to the body. That's a fact. It's even on camera. At 10pm on the 20th of July, two days after Noor had gone missing, Shakir McAdam, Noor's father, received a phone call. Police told, uh, told me to come to this police station and uh, told me that it's better not to bring any ladies because they'll be very terrified. So you come alone is better. The whole house was crying and bursting, not believing. It was so much of a shock to all of us. We were not believing that such a thing could have happened. So I rushed at once to the police station. Immediately, they took me to the house of Zahir, the murderer. Noor's father now had the awful job of identifying the body of his daughter. I went and uh, I saw, I identified my daughter's body. Thousands of miles away from Pakistan, at her home in Atlanta in America, Noor's best friend Isla was about to get the devastating news of Noor's murder. I was sleeping. I was called by a friend. She woke me up and she blurted it out of her mouth that, oh, Isla, he's killed her. 
And I was like, wait, 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 let me confirm. Let me call one of the guys. And by the guys, I mean people who are friends with Zahir. And then I called one of them and I was like, what she's saying? She's saying something happened. He's like, Ayla, he beheaded her. And that's how the news was broken to me. And all I remember is just breaking down and like my husband had to take the phone. And my first thought was that we cannot let this guy run away. Noor and Ayla were very aware that violence against women is commonplace in Pakistan. And the country has been referenced as the sixth most dangerous place in the world to be a woman. It's something that they talked about. One of the last conversations that Noor and I had was about this issue itself. And we thought it was an education issue, but clearly after what's happened is just an issue of dominance and power. Social media is the one place where Isla knew they could tell the world about Noor and put public pressure on the Pakistani authorities to ensure Noor's murder was properly investigated. The last conversation we had was, how many more hashtags will there be, Isla? What can we do? I was like, I don't know, make another hashtag. And then three days later, this happens. And that is what she did do, another hashtag. Hashtag justice for Noor. And together with some of Noor's friends, she created social media accounts. I was like, people have to know Noor. There are hundreds of so-called honour killings in Pakistan every year, but most of them don't hit the headlines. That was not the case when Noor was murdered. Noor's father was taken aback at just how quickly his daughter's story became news across the world. Uh, by the time the news had spread, you know, like wildfire on the TV and the social media. Welcome back. Noor Mukaddam case, what can Pakistan do to tackle sexual violence against women? I'm going to talk about Noor Mukaddam. 24 News team, Noor Mukaddam ke katil Zahir Jafar ke ghar The fear was that because of the wealth and influence held by the Jafar family, that Zahir could evade justice. It picked up so quickly because of the nature of how horrendous it was and also because of the segment of society we come from. We are the 1%. That is the reality. But Zahir Jafar is the 0.01%. So to him, we were scum. And he thought he could run away. People just cared genuinely. Because if this could happen to Noor, it could happen to anyone. Anyone. The news travelled to Ireland too. And Rakaya, who'd grown up with Noor in Goatstown in Dublin, heard from an old school friend. And she goes, did you see what happened to Noor? And I read the article and, like, my heart. And I was sitting with my dad and Baba, my dad, was like, are you okay? And I was like, I don't think so. Because now the wording of that article was intense. I was like, this is real. He, he, he murdered my friend. He, he killed her. She's gone, like... In Islamabad, a candlelit vigil was held and marches and vigils held around the world from Toronto to New York to Dublin. We held peaceful, peaceful gatherings. We don't say protest. Many, many people came. Knowing that she was murdered in that way, um, it was just hard to, like, to believe, like even till this day, to be honest. That's Noor's old Dublin school friend, Nihad Medbu. When we heard 
our whole class, we all decided that we were going to hold a walk for her, you know, as a memory. We met outside the secondary school that um, we all went to. Some of the teachers were there and we started off by like um, saying a few words about Nora, our friendship, her character, her personality, how she was like. It was very emotional. And then we decided that we'd start walking down the Goatstown Road, past the mosque and ending the walk at uh, UCD. It was kind of like, obviously it wasn't her funeral, but it was kind of like the most we could do for her, you know. But I think it was, it was powerful. Meanwhile, back in Pakistan, Noor's shocked and heartbroken family spoke at vigils where crowds of people demanded justice. We love you and we miss you. Keep laughing from the heavens till we meet again. Inshallah. The police detained Zahar Jaffer. I would want this this is the sound of Zahar being transported by police through the Islamabad streets. As reporters question him along the way, he speaks only in English. He said, I'm an American citizen. For a few months, he pretended he couldn't speak Urdu. Then he started speaking Urdu and Punjabi magically. Zahir would manage to get a phone call with the American consulate, seeking legal assistance. But the American embassy in Islamabad distanced themselves from the case and said that they would not be providing legal assistance to somebody subject to Pakistan's legal system. In total, 11 people were arrested in relation to Noor's murder. Zahir, his parents, the security guard and the gardener, and some people from Zahir's mother's therapy business, under suspicion of aiding and abetting the murder. Then on the 28th of July, Zahir's family took the strongest action in Pakistani society. They disowned him, issuing a public statement about Noor's murder to her family. We pray her soul rests in eternal peace. We know that no amount of time will bring back the joy you've lost, nor ease your pain. Our shock and grief at this horrific act has led to a prolonged silence that we very much regret. However, we categorically condemn this atrocity and forever denounce Zahir and his actions. The family has money, they have resources. Uh, the parents have hired uh, a very expensive, one of the most expensive lawyers in Pakistan. Technically, Zahir did not have paid legal defence, but a well-known lawyer, a former High Court judge in Lahore, defended him on a pro bono basis. The trial began on the 20th of October 2021 in Islamabad, and we began following and recording as the trial progressed. Noor's father attended. It was... Uh very difficult experience because in the first time in my life I had gone to a court. I had never gone to a court before. And then he had to face the man accused of murdering his daughter, who had this to say as he was led to court on the first day of the trial. It was a big fucking joke, that's what I have to say. I was extremely angry, but I had to cool, keep my tempers down. And because I wanted the court proceedings to proceed and go in the legal way, over the course of the trial, Zahir would employ many different tactics. At this early stage of the trial, he initially admitted to murdering Noor. He fell down on the, and told the judge, OK, pardon me, I've done it, OK, please pardon me. And uh, then he turned towards me and said, OK, pardon me, I've done it. And, you know, be, show some grace. Uh, I said, what grace I can show you now, you see. You have done such a, a gruesome murder. Zahir knew what he potentially faced. 
The penalty for murder is death by hanging, something that Isla has changed her mind on. Before this happened, a lot of people who were part of our campaign were very strictly anti-capital punishment. But while being in this process, we have realized our government and our system does not have the funds or the means to rehabilitate people. I have changed my opinion and I have become pro-capital punishment. It's very easy to intellectualize these things, but when you're the bereaved, it's a different story. Zahir was filmed on his way in and out of court, now looking bedraggled and far from the polished socialite that he once was. On the 4th of November 2021, five months after Noor's murder, her accused murderer, Zahir Jaffer, was thrown out of court for using vulgar language and disrespecting the court. Noor's father was there. He was trying to act smart and trying to, you know, behave in a different, rude manner with everybody. But people understood him, that he was creating a drama. A video posted online showed him being carried out in chains by four policemen. Then Zahir started behaving erratically. Hamza Azar Salam was watching the trial unfold. Zahir Jaffer's lawyers have been arguing that he is mentally unfit uh, to stand trial. And first he was brought uh, to court on a chair and uh, some people were holding the chair, some police officers. <laughs> and then yesterday uh, he was brought to court on a stretcher. Throughout all this time, Isla was following Zahir's trial from her home in America. He tried to act like he's a lunatic. <laughs> Like textbook, like making grunting sounds, just like rolling his eyes around. But then five minutes later, he'd be totally fine. I always had an idea. He tried to do the insanity plea thing. Even in the court, he was groaning loudly. So I think this is now, uh, they're using this as a potential defense. Here in Ireland, Noor's friends, including Rukaya, were also watching the trial from afar and could see the toll it was taking on Nora's family. I saw her dad's photos and I was like, you can see the sadness on his face. You can see it. He's been very strong, but you can see it on his face. You can see it the way he carries himself. He's always very well, you know, well stood. And then now it's just like a part of him is gone. As the trial progressed, the attempts in the court by Zahir to get off the murder charge on mental health grounds were very obvious to Noor's dad. Everybody understood that he was just trying to fool around and he was a very intelligent and uh, criminal-minded person. Isla could see that Noor's whole family were struggling with the thoughts that justice may not be served, especially Noor's father, whom Isla affectionately calls Uncle Shockett. It's tougher to see Uncle Shockett go through it because we've always known him as this very jolly, very extroverted person. And honestly, he's just become a skeleton of himself. He's literally shrunk in size. Every single day during the trial, Nora's father, Shaket, constantly thought about his daughter. She used to make things very special for us, her love, her affection. It has left a very deep imprint in our lives. Her heart was very kind. She would like to give and share it to the people, help the, uh, uh, to the elderly, to help the orphans. She was an extraordinary child, always very positive. In January 2022, with Zahir's murder trial now continuing for three months, Nora's family were just trying to get through it. Isla understood why Nora's mother couldn't attend the trial. 
It was just too hard to face everything publicly. I speak with her quite often. She's a very strong woman, one of the strongest people I've ever met. So is uncle, but she's definitely relied a lot on her faith to get through this. But there are days when obviously she's in a really bad state and I don't think any of us have gotten time to grieve, especially the parents. Even her brother and her sister, they're not doing that well. No one's doing that well. But Noor's father, Shakish, was not in the court on his own. Each day, some family or friends made sure to go with him. The Mukaddam family is mostly spread around the world. So there's not always other family members at every court hearing. So, like, my mother definitely does try to go as much as she can. We try to coordinate in a way that the family is not alone to form a support group for them. Zahir's attempt to plead insanity fell on deaf ears in the court. Journalist Hamza Azhar Salam has been following the trial. There's uh, some doctors in Adiala jail where Zahir Jafar is being held. So the doctors said that he is uh, completely mentally and physically sound to stand trial. And then another tactic used was to try to blame Noor for her own death. When uh, Zakir Jafar's lawyer was uh, cross-examining Shokat Mukaddam, Noor's father, he asked uh, Shokat Mukaddam that, you know, is it allowed in an uh, Islamic country uh, if a girl and a boy, they live together or they have uh, such relations? So again, it was an attempt of victim-blaming and to, you know, to damage uh, Noor's character. But it was criticised heavily uh, in Pakistan, especially across social media. These comments echo an opinion that is prevalent in Pakistan. In the beginning, the campaign, I would have to moderate 24-7. Even when I was asleep, my husband would take over and have to moderate the page because we were getting a lot of hate, a lot of, like, death threats, rape threats, just for speaking about it, and a lot of, like, but why were you friends with the guy in the first place sort of comments. Why did you dance at his brother's wedding sort of comments. Throughout Noor's murder trial, Isla's social media campaign has had a very real impact in Pakistan. An impact that is resulting in a change where women are beginning to find their voice and collectively stand up and be heard. We have been very proactive about silencing people who have this sort of nonsense opinion. So it's the first time I'm seeing people actually talk back to those people and tell them that this opinion is not welcome and that it's ignorant. The verdict on Zahar Jaffer standing accused of murdering Norm McAdam eventually came on February 24th, 2022. We were just waiting and we were very nervous. The courtroom was so full that even people who were in the front row, including the lawyers, couldn't hear the verdict when it was given. And Isla was relieved. He was found guilty on all counts of uh, keeping her hostage, raping her, torturing her and murdering her. But he had zero reaction. No reaction whatsoever, but when he was taken back into the holding cell, a journalist told me that he threw a tantrum and he was violent. Having been found guilty of Noor's murder, Zahar Jaffer was now sentenced to death by hanging. Noor's father, Shakit, was in court. I was very much uh, relieved and uh, I, I thought the judge, judge had given all the opportunities for a fair trial and then he came to the conclusion that he should be given the death sentence. 
Amnesty International celebrated the verdict in a country that has low rates of conviction for gender-based violence, but condemned the death penalty sentence. The two employees, the gardener and the watchman, were sentenced to 10 years in prison. Zahir's parents and all of the Therapy Works employees were acquitted of all charges of being complicit in Noor's murder, something that Noor's father, Shakit, found difficult. I was not very satisfied with the other, that how he let the parents go away and the therapy workers. Pakistan's legal system is different to ours, and Noor's family have appealed the verdict of the nine people who were acquitted, Zahir's parents and the Therapy Works employees. Noor's first anniversary took place on July 20th this year. Commemorative gatherings took place in Noor's honour, being held around the world, including in Dublin, outside the Pakistani embassy on Aylesbury Road, where her father once worked. Justice delayed, justice denied. Justice delayed, justice denied. Back in Pakistan, Zahir Jaffer remains in prison. His death sentence is yet to be carried out and he's appealed the sentence. With the new government recently coming into power in Pakistan, the fear amongst Noor's friends is that Zahir may yet be set free. We just like want this to be rolled out and for it to actually happen and for like the punishment to be seen happening by other people in Pakistan, because I feel it's very important for women. Mariam Berkey Nasser is a family friend who was at the Dublin gathering. To tell you the truth, for me, I have my reservations that he'll ever be punished, especially with this new regime, which is which has been enforced upon the Pakistani people. With this regime, I am 100% sure he'll be out. As for Noor's family, they continue to struggle to come to terms with the loss of their beloved sister and daughter. I, I really feel like the world has lost such a unique and, you know, extraordinary individual, you know, and it's just very, very sad, you know. She's terribly, terribly, terribly missed. We are missing her uh, every moment of our life. And uh, we feel that uh, this vacuum cannot be filled. She cannot be replaced. She cannot be substituted. And it will be for the rest of our life. We'll miss her, really. The murder of Norma Kadam has formed part of an increasing movement in Pakistan where new laws are being sought to protect women against violence and women are standing up and marching to demand more rights. They face much opposition. Multiple petitions have been filed against the gathering, calling it against the norms of Islam or But their confidence is growing. Norma Kadam is a name almost everyone in Pakistan now knows. Sadly, it took Noor losing her life for that to happen. But the memory of Noor is strong, both in Pakistan and among her friends in Ireland. Those who knew Noor hope the case will inspire the country of Pakistan to better protect Pakistani women and girls. Noor's name will not be forgotten in the fight for women's rights. This is a global issue. Throughout, since the campaign has begun, I said every woman. And when every woman, that means may she be in a burqa, may she be in a bikini. Every woman has the right to safety. Even in remote Pakistan, Noor's presence and her legacy of kindness is being felt. Many people have started building wells in her name in Pakistan. Wells that would give water to 200 
people per well and these are in really like far off areas where they would have to walk for kilometers and hours and hours to fetch water just for themselves to use and their for their animals to have so there are a lot of beautiful things being done in her name norma kadam born 23rd of october 1993 died aged 27 20th of july 2021 